You're listening to the Market Leaders Podcast, brought to you by Pipeline Plus. Professional service firms use Pipeline Plus to capture more business from their most important clients, prospects, and referral sources. Pipeline Plus delivers the simplest interface in the marketplace and in-app suggestions on exactly which actions to take to close the next deal. It's used as a standalone app in conjunction with business development coaching or as a CRM companion for more effective sales pipeline management. To learn more or schedule a demo, visit pipelineplus.com. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today our guest is Karee Konpand Buckman, who is the CMBDO at Foley and Lardner. Karee, great to have you with us today. Great to be here. Thank you. Karee, we're going to talk about a lot of things that are near and dear to both of our hearts, I think, including the costs and benefits of taking a data-driven approach to marketing and business development at a law firm. But before we dive into all that, I would love to hear just a little bit about your background. So I joined Foley, it was two years ago, almost to the date. And prior to that, I was a regional director at a large global law firm. And then prior to that, I was in accounting firms for about five years. And have you found that the world of accounting firms is markedly different from the world of law firms? Yes, actually it is. So my first experience going into a law firm, I was shocked and was actually wondering what I had done to my career. Why did I switch? And I actually had a former boss and good mentor tell me, because she had worked in both, that I was thinking about accounting firms and law firms similarly. They are similar in certain ways, but how you market them is very different. How you typically would market a large accounting firm is you're going to market the firm as a whole, and then you're going to market their service lines, tax, audit, financial services consulting services. Law firms are typically, you flip it around, you need to get to know all the various lawyers. Then you can compartmentalize them to maybe market them as a practice group. But rarely do you get to market them as an entire group of people, as an entire firm. And so it was very helpful to learn that because each of them has a special niche in their business. So those were some of the components that I really understood was building those relationships with the partners one by one, instead of building relationships with large groups of people as a, as you look at like a client account, or you look at a sector. And now law firms are definitely catching up where marketing them is a little more similar to accounting firms. That's a fascinating distinction. I've never heard that before, but it makes so much sense. What you're ultimately looking at with an accounting firm is an institution, which happens to be made up by partners and managers, et cetera. What you're looking at when you're talking about a law firm is individual partners who occasionally come together and agree on something as a firm, but you never want to think of this as a like-minded institution, or you are probably going to find yourself at odds with at least some part of it. That's absolutely right. So let's dive in here because this is going to tie into some of what we're talking about. So even when a firm's strategic plan mandates a data-driven approach to things like client experience, there are a myriad of challenges to implementation, one of them including the fact that you have all of these different people who think differently and expect their unique opinions to be taken into consideration when doing any kind of a change management 
uh, effort. So some of the challenges that we know are related to taking a data-driven approach for existence, uh, for example, would include uh, how to get the lawyers to contribute the data, the stuff that's in their head, putting it into, let's say, some sort of platform. Even sharing their contacts with one another can be a challenge because, again, they don't think of the institution first. They have a little bit of their own self-interest woven into that of like, well, these are my contacts. And what's going to happen if I share these contacts? There are these uh, concerns that come forward. Obviously, they're very busy. And so they are not necessarily going to give an initiative the time that it perhaps requires, especially if it's going to be a sustainable initiative over the long term. Transitioning from the attitude that marketing is more of an administrative function and that it's not necessarily something that's having a strategic impact. So really getting them to take any kind of an effort seriously enough can be a challenge. And of course, ensuring that leadership is proactively driving change is also part of all of this and and a necessary piece in order to have the traction required. So given that we're tackling all of these really kind of unique to our industry issues in order to put in place something that can be ultimately an institutional asset. Let's talk about your efforts in pursuing a data-driven approach for Foley. So first and foremost, why are you doing this? This is taking on a Herculean effort. You've made some great progress, but you could have chosen something a little easier to tackle. So why this in particular? A lot of it has to do with our strategic plan. We are very focused on going to market by sector. In order to do that, we had to identify what sectors are we really strong. And every firm will talk about the sectors that they think they're strong in. But if you actually have the data to show what's your experience, how deep is your experience, what clients are you working for, how sophisticated are some of those clients, it actually starts to show you possibly a different picture than maybe what you thought the firm actually had a lot of capabilities in. And so through the data that we had available, so we realized that we stand out in four key sectors, manufacturing, healthcare, life sciences, energy, and innovative technology. There were a couple others that did surface, but through the initial data poll, we realized they just weren't as strong as some of the other four. So. Overall, it's identifying what are we doing for those clients. And that's what we don't actually have data on is give us the examples and give us the experience and all the matters you've worked on for various clients in those spaces. And how do you package that up and sell those to clients within that sector? So that's why this is really important to the firm is in order to support the strategic plan and to support those sectors, you have to then be able to share best practices with sector clients and other targets you're trying to bring in in those sectors. In order to do that, you have to have the real experience as to we have done X. We are really good at closing deals in this medical device space. You have to be able to give real examples or you're not going to get that client base. So we need that information. The other piece was when I came on board two years ago, I met with 80 partners within a six-week period. And I had to present to management right away. And they wanted to know what my my conversations were. What were the themes? And the one theme that stuck out was, we need to capture our experience and have it in one place. It's very painful. 
We don't know who does what. We don't know who has experience where. Also, we don't know what clients were doing that type of work for. So it was something that the partners were asking for. Did they realize probably the big lift it was going to take? Probably not. But it's a pain point. And it's not only a pain point at pain point for Foley, it's a pain point within our own industry. And it's a competitive industry. So we need the data and the knowledge to be competitive in this space. Makes perfect sense. You know, in other industries, one might refer to this as sales enablement. In ours, we call it experience management, but ultimately it enables us to uh, make smarter decisions and to present ourselves more effectively and to really focus in those areas where we want to demonstrate value and, and grow business. So here's a question. Given that this has been a relatively new endeavor for Foley, at what point, or perhaps I should say at what cost, does this type of approach exceed the value? What's that tipping point? So. Well, the the costs, look at the system, the time, the people, the effort, the tipping point becomes when a partner can stop sending an email out to the firm saying, who has experience working on an automotive company in California who's looking at doing cross-border transactions? When they can go into the system and actually pull experience with those criteria that is when you know the tipping point has actually, you've definitely tipped through the tipping point because you actually have somebody who's now using the system. They're finding what they need in the system. To me, that's where it's like rubber meets the road. Did it work? And we definitely are getting to a point now where we can go in and ask particular things for a query. Could it be that specific right now? Maybe not, but we definitely are getting a lot closer than what we were six months ago. So I want to ask a specific question here to clarify something, because we wanted to talk about the cost and benefits of a data-driven approach. But so far, what I'm hearing is you're putting a lookup database in place so that people can identify, oh, who's done what at the firm so that we can put that into a proposal. How does this end up converting into data that provides insights and helps to make more strategic decisions on behalf of the firm. Sure. So something that is important to recognize is, is all of the firm data actually in a place that when you have either the marketing department pulling it or you have the finance department pulling it, are you pulling from the same source of truth? So our initial exercise was, is our data actually connecting? Are we syncing up with all the data in the firm? That's the number one piece that makes this really actually move the firm forward. We spent a lot of time making sure our systems were actually coordinated together because you can't have different systems pulling from different places and expect to actually be able to use that data. Because the first thing that lawyers will say is, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And all of a sudden, now this system, and they don't want to use it, they don't trust it. And it's not helpful, where if we can always say, we go back to the source of truth, which is through your intake system, which all is within the firm intake components of most people are using, you know, 3E, is when you put in a matter, it's the same information that I'm going to pull out all the way through the end of our CRM system. 
So connecting the, the two components together is, yes, I'm talking about a lot of experience. I'm also talking about, you know, the client matter numbers are in there. The client, you have to also have the taxonomy. How do you, how are you coding your clients to making sure you're pulling that data? That all starts at intake. So that's not always your marketing department. That's the most important thing too. And I've shared with a lot of people. That's why, you know, my relationship with the other people who lead departments, the chiefs of various functions is so important because we have to be looking at opportunities through the same lens. We have to be thinking about how can this benefit everybody? And so when we look at a good system, it's not just our experience that we want to capture. It's we also want everybody's relationships. Who knows whom? You talked about that at the very beginning. Getting lawyers to share their contacts. It's really important. Making sure that you know we go in with the best information we possibly can. Also, your conflict system has to be connected into these as well because you don't want to be going out and pursuing opportunities where you already know there's a red flag. You have these also components where you want to be able to say, this is also where we make the most money. So it has to be tied into the same financial system. When you're looking at experience and you have a lawyer come to you and they say, we have to go after this pitch, this proposal, this client. And you're able to look back at the history and say, really? Because profitability wise, we wouldn't go after this work at all. They're not going to pay us our market rates. They're always asking for 25% discounts. You know, we end up having to use only partners on it. There's no leverage. Why would we actually pursue this proposal? So now you're talking about historical data of financial information that you now need to tie out so you can say yes or no to a proposal. Are we perfect yet? Absolutely not. It is a game changer, though, for Foley, because we will be able to make educated decisions that are not just based on emotion or based on one partner saying, I need to bring in this type of work. It's let's have a really good conversation is do we have the experience? Is this a kind of client we even want? Does this client pay us? What are the contacts we have with that client? Is it really truly an opportunity? Now you've turned it into a firm effort. And that's something I also talk a lot about. This is not a marketing business development tool. This is a firm tool. And that's why our CEO is adamant that we as a firm all are invested in what goes into the system and how we use the information. He's absolutely behind us 100% that it's our chief team, not just the marketing department, who needs to make sure our data is working for the firm. That was a tremendous pitch. And I'll bet you've had to make it a bunch of times within your firm, partner to partner, in order to get this initiative off the ground. That's probably one of the things that you know were instrumental here. I'm curious because the, the industry as a whole is in its infancy here. What are some other parts that are kind of required that people should be thinking about if they're looking to go down this road? The number one thing is partner with somebody who knows a lot more about this than you do. Our CIO is amazing. And we also have our marketing technology director who came through the channels of technology. Absolute unicorn. They understand things that I absolutely don't understand. When I say my end result is X, they can tell me how all the 
various things will work together so that I can actually get those outputs. So that's really important is that you have the right people in the room. If you truly think that you have this all buttoned up within the marketing department, stop and actually find a couple other people who are outside your department who think very differently than you do. The other thing was don't come in and just assume whatever system they have or whatever types of either homegrown systems, home-built systems, or systems they've already have purchased are not the right ones. Work with what you have. These tools are really expensive. For years and years and years, the industry was working with interaction. Many people will tell you interaction was rolled out you know, a couple decades ago. It kind of had momentum. People stopped using it. Now we still have it. We don't know what to do with it. Well, when I came into Folio, there was a similar situation. It was, we have a tool that's Microsoft Dynamics. They've owned it for four years. Well, nobody was really using it. We weren't using it in the right way, but it had good information. In it. So let's not just throw it out and start over just because there's a new shiny penny of new tools on the market. We already invested in this tool. We already paid for it. Let's work with it. Let's see if it does enough of what we want it to do before we go out and say, okay, now we need the Cadillac model. Do we really? Because what we're trying to accomplish is can we get it from the current system or is it going to take a year or two to really ramp up where you're using it where now you need to maybe look at a different system? And the other thing I think is really important is it's picking the wrong technologies. And that's why I was adamant about if we already have this, we possibly have it for a reason. Let's figure out why do we have it? Why do we own it? And will it work for us? Sometimes you go out and you, you pick various technologies and you're working with various partners in these technology groups and it's just not the right fit. They don't understand either one how your firm culture is, or two, they don't understand law firms. They're doing really great stuff, but it doesn't fit for law firms. And so it's also finding that right component of the tools that are going to fit you where you're at. And do you absolutely need to have all the bells and whistles right now? And that's what we recognized. We just, we just didn't. We weren't there yet. We needed to make sure that we were going to use the system and figure out what we needed to add on. Thank you. Let's talk about some of the other challenges. So I I touched on these at the beginning of our episode, and you addressed one of them head on, which was how do you transition from the attitude that, ah, you know, this is operational, this is marketing, this is administrative, I don't really have time for all of that. I'm dealing with important clients and billing at a very high hourly rate. So you tackled that by making sure that you've got leadership behind you and you're not shy about saying firm leadership has this as a critical mandate so i really need your attention on this that makes perfect sense now how do you tackle the contact sharing barrier because that for some lawyers goes against their perceived self-interest and i don't care if the ceo said it or i don't care who said it i'm an equity partner I'm an owner too, and I'm not going to do something that goes against my own self-interest, right? We, we definitely hear that kind of positionality firms, which can get in the way of a firm-wide initiative like this. How, how have you had to tackle that? Well, that's still going to be tackling I do for years to come because all the things you stated are absolutely true, but it is the bell curve. Everything comes back to the bell curve. You have 20% of the lawyers who really, really want 
to be able to go into a system and say, I'm going to go pitch a particular company. Who do we know there? They're going to convince other people within that same attitude and mindset that they really should open up their contacts and make it easier. And here's why. So you're going to have 20% of the people who are like, I'm all in, happy to put in my contacts, happy for you to show me how that's valuable to the firm. Great. Then you've got the next 60% who are going to say, I'm really not sure about this. I'm nervous. What are what if people reach out to my contacts and I didn't know about it? What happens when you know somebody starts adding them to mailing list? I don't know about it. So you walk them through to get answer their objections is yes, you may put a contact in there. People typically want to actually go out and look and see who you know there, and they're going to contact you first. Does it always happen? No, but let's let's hope for the best, right? Let's hope somebody's going to contact you and say, I would really like to pitch this company with you, or tell me about your relationship with whoever it is. In addition to that is if your contacts are in the system already, it also helps us so that we're not spamming the clients either. We can see how many touch points they've had this week, how many emails have gone out to them, how many notifications of blogs, events, you name it, we can look and we can say, you know what, this client is already getting three things this week. We're not adding them to one more mailing list. Or we can literally shut that client off from particular things that they don't want to receive either. So it's a, it's a better vetting system than doing things ad hoc. So when you start to show them how it actually helps us with efficiencies and making sure that we are putting the client first, they start to realize how this could be really helpful to the firm they include their contacts. But it's always about being mindful of this has to be helpful for the client. I think the client would appreciate if they're not being spammed by us. I think the client would appreciate that other partners in the firm realized you know five people that client before they kind of cold pitch them. It's all about getting people to recognize this is about the client, not about the lawyers. Then you've got the 20% who are going to tell you, absolutely not. Don't talk to me about this again. I will keep my contacts in my Rolodex, on my cards, on my desk. That's fine. You're not going to have 100% buy-in. With any program you ever do, doesn't matter what it is, you're just not going to have 100% buy-in. That's okay. Don't spend your energy there. Spend your energy with the other people who are really saying, I could see how this would work because they're going to actually make the system work regardless if you have the other 20% who won't do it. The other piece is getting partners to understand data is never perfect. Everyone has sat in that meeting before where you took in a mailing list and they said, this is horrible. This person doesn't work there anymore. This person's dead. This person, you name it, right? We all have a piece of the pie. We all have to put in the data to make it work. We all actually have to take ownership and say, if I know my client has moved to a different company, I need to update that with my assistant. If somebody has passed, I need to update that. You can't just expect the data to clean itself, but you also have to get people to recognize that it's never going to be perfect, but are we making progress? Because we have to make progress as a firm to stay competitive. If we wait for perfect, we're already going to be 30 years behind. It's such an industry mindset, Korean. I know you know this. You know, we're a major law firm or we're we're a minor law firm. Pick any firm you like. And they 
stand tall on the posture of we are excellent here. Our lawyers are excellent. They provide excellent service. You know, we're the best of the best. We went to the best law schools and we provide the the best work product. I mean, this is every website has the same claim. And so it creates this notion that it does have to be perfect because we at least espouse to be, if not um, our optics are, that we are perfect in every way. And that's how we get our clients to engage with us. And that's how we get them to pay us these rates and so on and so forth. But the truth of the matter is we're all human. No one is perfect. And, you know, as you point out, you've got to start an imperfect process and improve it over time, or you'll never get anywhere close to perfect. And to do that, you have to step out of this transitional or transactional binary mindset of it's either perfect or it's wrong. And we certainly don't want to have anything to do with wrong. Absolutely. I think that is one of the things that is really hard within law firms because you hit it, you just nailed it, is remove law firm name, size. Everyone feels like we are at the top of our game. We are only going to put the best of the best out there. And that is fine. What we put out to our clients should be the best of the best. And how we do that is making sure we have information that shows we are the best in a particular space, that shows we have the best lawyers who are coming to them to help them solve their problems. Well, in order to do that, we actually have to know what's going on in the firm. You have to get the assets of the firm are walking around on two legs. You have to get all of that information out of their head and put it onto paper so that you actually can say, we are credible in this space. We have done this type of work. We want to only help you in your business. And we are then able to put our most perfect opportunities in front of clients. It's going to be behind the curtain though, where it's not going to be perfect. And that's going to be okay. But what we're putting in front of our clients or our targets is going to be a lot closer than what we were able to put together 10 years ago, because we're getting very close to perfect in their eyes, not perfect behind the scenes. Well, the one piece you didn't mention, Karee, is that a key ingredient, and I would say critical, and without this, you're not going to get anywhere, is that you need someone like you who will tirelessly beat this drum and eventually wear the lawyers down from their initial resistance. Just, you know, repeat the message, continue to show them the counterpoint, continue to show them the value. And I'm sure, you know, even those lawyers who are in that 20% of the bell curve that are bought in at some point might slip back a little bit and you're going to have to keep pushing them back into the early adopter mindset, simply because this is uh, a, a moving target, it's fluid, but you are ultimately making tremendous progress with this initiative and, you know, hearing your passion and hearing your persistence and hearing the strategic approach you're taking and the, the logical approach that you're taking, it, it all makes sense why it's working. Well, I wouldn't say it's working perfectly yet, but also, David, the part you forgot is you have to run you have to do gamification. You have to run contests. You have to have awesome giveaways to get people to do the things you want them to do. And I have a lot of fun giveaways. And I tell people, whoever puts you know, their information in, whoever does a training one-on-one and learns how to use the system, your name is going to be entered into a drawing so you can get cool gifts. This is, this is how you win the hearts and minds. It's not because I'm extremely passionate. It's because I have really cool, fully swag I give away. 
I'm sure that helps. We, you know, we all know lawyers are competitive and even if it's a, a, a fully t-shirt, they will uh, scramble for that just for the bragging rights a lot of the time. So I think it's really smart to leverage that status component too, because it is absolutely a currency within the law firm. Well, Korea, it's been such a pleasure talking to you about this initiative and frankly, the application of everything that you're doing here for any other kind of change management that anyone might undertake at a law firm. I think there are there are real nuggets here to glean from. So I just so appreciate your time and sharing your insights. And I continue to cheer from the sidelines for anything that you're involved in. And, and I, I will bet on you every time <laughs> because I think you've got all the right, right ingredients and all the, the right thoughts here to, uh, to make something happen. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your support. Appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us today. Today's episode was brought to you by Pipeline Plus. We solve business development problems for professionals around the world. Visit pipelineplus.com to learn more about our technology and coaching solutions.